0: Maybe my buckshot round will just be all haikus. Well, we're going to have a haiku round now, right? We don't have a catchy name for it, but... Haiku, too. Uh... Oh, haiku, you too? Haiku, very much.
1: I haiku, very... Okay, you are on some (laughs) next-level language stuff today, and I'm real excited about it.
2: I'd like to thank my mom, haiku, and God, and Abbott and Costello. Oh, God. (laughs) Haiku, to (laughs) you.
1: This is all bad. Hey.
0: listener this is a perfectly acceptable podcast where every week we the members and employees of the comics place grab a bunch of books from our bookmobile on tuesday morning and we take those books and we count them and we sort them and we put them away for our dear subscribers who we will appreciate very much this friday and then we take the books that we want to read home And we read them in our safe, quiet places, whether it be home, here, or Denny's. Um, (laughs) Did you go to Denny's this week? No, absolutely not. And then we come back here on Wednesday night with our lovely little books in tow. And we talk about them on this podcast into these microphones. We talk about those books. We talk about the shop. We talk about the comings and the goings of our lives. And just about anything else that strikes our fancy, um, I'm Brayden, and I think I did a real good intro there.
2: I'm Django, and I think Brayden did a real good intro there.
0: I'm Jeff,
1: and I hope I ever in my life feel as good about something as Brayden generally feels about his own performance and <laughs> stuff.
3: And I'm Ty, and I don't think brayden did a good job i think i know
1: oh, oh man that was job. that really you zag on oh. him there that oh. was very whoa oh,
0: gosh that was a close one um
2: now <coughs> uh, brayden i heard that you have a spoiler song that you were going to sing for us
0: yes the spoiler song goes bow 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 That's all I got because you said it was going to be a country song, so I just kind of threw some country twang in there.
2: Spoilers, spoilers, Spoilers. we're going to spoil things. Gosh. Stop listening.
0: As far as I got. Well, well, let's let's hopefully get a little farther than stop listening. <laughs> if
1: you haven't read your books, don't just stop because this is a real bad joke. You guys are isolating your country music fans right now. <laughs> yeah,
0: we are. Um, yeah, that's true.
1: That's true. Ty, he's got his eye on the demographics. He knows oh. the, the, the populations we're trying to corral his, in. His fingers are on all the pulses. Yeah. Yeah. His pulse it's is true. on the ham. Today we're going to talk
0: about...
1: <laughs> Everyone stopped and looked at him, and he didn't make eye contact with anybody. That was very smooth.
2: Uh, Jeff, what are we going to talk, oh, talk about? Oh, uh,
1: gosh. I'm going to talk about Marvel 2-in-1 number two.
2: And uh, let's also let's, let's have a little chatty-watt about Batman Detective Comics number 973.
0: Um, we're going to talk about Abbott number one as well. Then
2: we're going to mosey
3: on down, talk about them southern bastards. Whoa,
1: my? right what after I just fun made that comment. Adoption, we're going to be playing later. <laughs> we'll also talk a little bit about Tannis fifteen,
2: and uh, the 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 Doomsday
0: Clock, number three,
1: three.
2: Is that good? Good job.
0: Like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As well as Mega Man Master (laughs) Mix Number One, first issue, eighty-page count, spectacular. Giant, giant, (laughs) Giant. (laughs) boom. I want a sound effects machine, guys. I'm
2: tired
1: of being being. Start using my mouth. We we have one. We have one. What? We could we could just load up a MIDI controller, which we have, with a bunch of sound effects for each (laughs) one, and
0: we could just have that. We could get a a dang app on our ding dong cell phones. That's true. (laughs) Or, Django, yep, you just Django's keep doing it. Django's back because we got fart sounds, <laughs> and we're uh, less than five minutes in. Listen, I, ho- I hope you uh, weren't missing the farts because the farts are back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nothing but dust and farts today. Django, thanks for being back. Uh, you're welcome. I noticed that there weren't very
2: many sound effects last week, <laughs> and I, I knew you needed me. I heard your lack of call. Where's the flatulence? <laughs> um, uh, I just realized, like, having these big... Chops. It's hard to put both hands up against your mouth and make I mean, fart the noise. classic I, fart. Man, yeah, the classic a,
1: fart oh, yeah. gesture. You know? Yeah. Mm. Oh, definitely. It was a totally
2: gosh. new place that
0: came from. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, so Fantastic we're, we're, Four's been real good. Yeah. <laughs> the mouth in one. the south one. mouth. Righted, yeah, well, well, <laughs> listen. We got uh, yeah. we got Django back this week. Yeah. We also got Ty back this week. Sure yeah. we do. Ty, thanks for being on.
3: Uh, thanks for having me again, guys. this is my second time being on. Yeah. We got we're building a two timers club.
2: Oh gosh. Two You can't spell two timers without, without a, tie. a tie. Well
0: okay sure.
2: <laughs> Not the way I
0: spell timers. <laughs> yeah. You know parsley say T H Y M E R S. That's how <laughs> so I
1: spell my name. <laughs> <laughs> timers. Yes, W two looks weird. T
0: Y. Um. What did you, you see something about a Marvel 2-in-1?
1: Yeah, I said something about a Marvel 2-in-1. Um. Gosh, issue two of this, written by Chip Zdarsky, Jim Chung on pencils, John Dell, Walden Wong, and Jim Chung on inks, Frank Martin coloring. Uh, speaking of coloring. Yeah, speaking of coloring. Oh, Colorist
0: Appreciation Day.
1: Yeah, that's today. We're going to credit all these colorists. Jordy Belair and Matt Wilson, you're doing a great job. I think this book was great. Did anybody else read this? Yeah. I did. Okay, so first of all, shout out to our main man. uh, I I didn't read it. The new hero. Of, of the Marvel Universe, Gugam, son of Goom. Oh, yeah. The adorable Kirby monster. Um, yeah, this is basically uh, the Human Torch and the Thing going off looking for this device that apparently Reed left them uh, before he and Sue disappeared
0: or died or went a, away. A multi-sect? Multi-sect. A, a multi-sect.
1: And the Thing has misconstrued the information uh, to the Human Torch and said that if they get this device, they'll be able to go find Sue and Reed. So it's them um, going to the place of their first adventure to find that device. And... I think Jim Chung's doing a really great job on pencils and inks on this book. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is cool to me because I love the Fantastic Four, and you don't get a ton of Fantastic Four, or really any Fantastic Four anymore. And I hope that this book exists to get us to the Fantastic Four. It
0: seems to be the road to yeah. The yeah. Fantastic Four.
1: Yeah, I hope so. Um, but there's some interesting like meta stuff that Chip does about you know the... Human Torch is talking about reading a Fantastic Four comic book in the comic while we're reading a yeah. Fantastic Four comic, and it's about how they are making a Fantastic Four comic book without Sue and Reed. And, and it's
0: like, slow down there, Chip. I'm yeah. I'm just trying to read a comic book here. <laughs> um, issue
1: number two. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's doing it on two. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that this book is pretty damn good. My complaint of the last issue was that I feel like it took a step back from the characterization that Hickman and Bendis have done for Doctor Doom. But this one self-corrected a little bit more than that last issue did. And, yeah, I, I really, I don't know. I just love these characters, and I love the heart in there, and I love seeing flashbacks of Reed and uh, Doctor Doom. And, yeah, I don't know. It's its silly. Ship almost offends me at times with how, like, Non serious, he takes anything, um, and so there was two moments in this where I was like, "Oh, I hope this doesn't get too jokey," but it it actually like perfectly, I think, approached that line and didn't cross over it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I was into it.
0: There was one silly, stupid thing that I got hung up on mm-hmm. for a stupid reason, because I'm I'm just being stupid. But Victor, Victor, at a certain point in the flashback. Uses the term "stupider," mm-hmm. which I know, like it's a word, like you know, because it, because if you say, because if you say, I know what it means, but I, it's it feels like something that Victor wouldn't use. Mm-hmm. It feels like something he would say. That's not a word.
1: Yeah, Victor is definitely the kind of kid who's. You know, it's two o'clock at the slumber party, and one kid's like, "What are we gonna have for dinner tomorrow?" And then he's the kid who's like, <laughs> "You mean later today?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, "Shut up, yeah, shut up. It's tomorrow because I haven't gone to bed yet." Yeah, and I stupid feel, is not a word.
0: Uh, I feel I feel silly for getting hung up on it, but no, that's that's.
1: I think that's legit. I that's, think it's valid because yeah, I think you know Victor's pretty elitist. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah,
2: and he always has been.
1: Yeah, and I. Yeah, I don't know. I love Victor Von Doom as like a kind of anti-hero. And this is less of that while still having an amount of it. But I really like that as time has gone forward, Doom is more and more a part of this family. Now he's just sort of like the the drunk, angry uncle. Yeah. But he's still like part of the family. And I, I do like that Chip's gone forward with that. I, I think this is my favorite thing that Chip has written, even though it's only two issues. Um The Spider Man can be a little like hit or miss, but this one is, I think, pretty on point.
0: Nice. I, um, and speaking of colorists, I've been really enjoying in this issue the, uh, the green of his eyes glowing. Like, I think that's really cool. The glow and the way you can see it, like, reflected on Ben's face as they get real close up. It's, I don't know. I like it a lot. I, uh, it's a lot of detail. I'm a big fan of, you know, OG Doom Mask, but I'm liking this one a lot. How do you think he sees out with his oh, eyes that I, green? Who knows? <laughs> How did Cyclops see out of his X visor? <laughs> in,
1: in Infamous Iron Man, at least, you get shots of you know, his inside the helmet. Oh, he's thing. got a heads up display in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's got yeah. a
2: HUD. All right, uh, I'll allow it. Yep. <laughs> I've just had helmets on for cosplay that had lights inside,
1: and they mm. are awful. Mm.
2: They're really hard to see
1: out. No, I have some wrestling goggles that are the same.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay, so, yeah. If, I feel like you can really feel the tension that Ben feels in this issue about lying to Johnny and how he he feels really bad about it and he wants to just like tell him the truth but he can't and I feel like that's a situation that almost everyone's been in before.
1: Yeah, especially you know when you get around Googum, son of Goom. Oh gosh, he's, he's gonna, gonna he's gonna bring. Yeah, I know. I think that Jim Chung does actually in this a really good job of like channeling Kirby. I don't, I don't. I think yeah. that people are pretty hit or miss with their Kirbyizations of of Kirby drawings, but yeah, I think that he did really well.
3: Yeah,
2: I'm gonna give him uh, full marks for the sound effects in this book. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I would great. give this
1: book eight and a half Gugums.
2: All right, I didn't read it. Okay, so ten. Give it I'm going to give it 10 sound effects, because there's at least 10 sound effects in here.
0: Um, I'm going to give it uh, an 8, because it was great. Thawed. That's one of the sound effects.
3: The Ocho.
0: Whoosh. Thawed. I'm going to give
3: it uh, 8 Skakaos. Uh-huh. Ooh. Mm-hmm.
1: Ty, do you like Fantastic Four? Do you, do you like this? Did you read that last issue? What you I thinking? read
3: the last issue. I'm getting right back into it. I haven't really ever been familiar with the Fantastic Four, so I don't really know when the characters kind of, like, develop into what they're supposed to be. But, uh, I mean, the reason I'm not giving it, like, a 10 or anything, like, I really enjoyed this issue. It's just, I feel like there was a point in turmoil between both Ben and Johnny in the first issue, and I was kind of put aside and wasn't really brought back until, like, maybe... I don't know, three-quarters into it. Like, oh, what's your next, like, good, like, bright idea or anything like that? So they seemed to to be pretty, like, at each other's halves in the last issue, and they went right back into just, okay, it's all fine. Let's just go kill some monsters and whatnot. But it was a fun issue altogether. I liked the flashback scene and the sentiment and the, what is presumably the first adventure. Mm-hmm. That was... That hit. That's that struck a chord with
1: me. I, yeah, that. I that it, like that. Like, and I also I like the editor notes in it. I don't think that they're like over the top, like they have been, like in that original ship Peter really Spider Man book. But and this one has the duck. Yeah, this one has like two or three Peter so Parker Cole in
0: the spectacular Spider Man. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, so it feels it feels related to like classic Marvel stuff, which Fantastic Four should. But yeah,
2: do we have a segue for this? Um I mean, Monster Gugum Clay 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 uh, let's talk about Batman Detective Comics mm-hmm. number 973 <clears throat> by James Tinian, IV Jimmy TIV mm-hmm. um <laughs> oh pencils God. by Jesus Marino uh colors by Jason Wright This was uh this was I think the end of a longer storyline mm-hmm. do you know how many issues this has been going on I Brady? think Five. Okay. Not that makes sure. sense. That's about a trade paperbacks worth. Yeah. Um, and in it, Robin is, or there, there's a flashback to uh, when Batman and uh, Tim are working on the Belfry. And uh, then it flashes back to now, and Clayface is messing up Gotham. He's giant. He looks like maybe he's taking some of the clay that Tim was using in the mud room, mm-hmm. which was
0: their, uh, their battle room. Because they've they've been like collecting mud from every encounter they've had with yeah. Clayface in the past, just saving it up to analyze and stuff. But and Clayface has just lost his marbles, and he's
2: going through killing everybody he can in Gotham. Uh, the first victim and Anarchy are hanging out, and Anarchy kind of betrays the first victim. They just can't quite figure out how to defeat Clayface, and they um, somebody I don't I'm not familiar with this character, but she. Realizes that they can shoot him in the brain to give his human brain enough juice to control and stay small, and uh, they're not sure how long it's going to last. Turns out it didn't last long enough, and in front of his girlfriend
0: named but it's, but girlfriend, I'm
2: not I, or the, she's got a crush on him, right?
0: Cassie, I, I I don't know exactly their romantic history, but they're certainly. Deeply connected and Batwoman shoots Clayface in the head. I I haven't read all of Detective Comics, but I Yeah.
2: So Batgirl shoots Clayface right in the head brain when he's a human. Yeah, with the gun that her father gave to her for the situation. Right, which is bad news because we don't like her dad Yeah, Batman banished. Do you think that this gun's gonna kill him?
1: I mean, do you think that's what that's supposed to have done? Or do you think it's like a it's uh, gonna put psychosis in him? I mean to me I I didn't take it I mean, too seriously.
0: Comics, no. like nothing's ever dead. Right. But Well, there's no blood in that picture, really. Yeah. It's clay you know, coming out of the side of his head. Yeah. yeah. I <clears throat> I bet he's dead for this. Do you expect to see series? him
1: in like two issues though? No? <sighs> two arcs. Maybe, Maybe two arcs. I don't
0: know. Referenced in
1: two arcs. Uh,
0: I'm not sure. We'll see. Are they gonna rebuild him from the mud from the mud room? I I hope
2: so. I mean, there there has been, I guess Clayface has had such a long history of uh, mutating and changing and creating new Clayfaces. I don't think they've ever actually managed to kill one dead. No. Um, Whenever you think that they have, it turns out that a little shred of clay got away and it just reformed. Because
0: it's more than just like a dude. It's This weird clay entity.
2: They do set this issue up and this character up as someone who they know a lot more about and that should theoretically kill him. So,
0: maybe. Yeah. Maybe. It was, uh, I read this on the floor downstairs after work last night because I didn't want to take it home. And it was the first thing I read. and It definitely made me cry because... Uh, not just because Clayface dying, but his this like this whole arc he's been trying to be a good guy, a good person, mm-hmm. and like Batman's from trying to help him, and like, and this is kind of culminating in him just like kind of backsliding. You know, the first victim society or whatever their group is called, like they they've manipulated him into this situation. So he's being pushed but he he like he still he he blames himself for all the bad stuff he's done and he feels just awful and I think that's very clear as he tries to be a good person but just can't can't make himself do it and so that kind of loss was what really hit me I thought more than him getting shot in the head whether he dies or not like the yeah, fact that he's given up control. on himself was I think yeah. mm-hmm. the real
2: Well, that's been a theme for the entire detective run. I actually... So the last three weeks have been slow enough in comics that I've picked up old series that I've fallen behind on and I've been Mm -hmm. reading, and I just picked up detective comics to read all the way through to the end because I've only read, like, important to the rest of the DC Rebirth universe runs, like The Lonely Place of Living and uh, a couple other little bits. So I've, I've missed a lot of this detective series. So I read, like, the first issue since i dropped off like nine months ago or whatever (laughs) and then you said this issue made me cry you have to read it (laughs) i was like well fuck now i have like one minute when you say you cried i think i read you have to read it yeah because i i appreciate it when a comic can do that and i'll bet that it would have got me a lot better if i'd been current on this book also the character design is awesome like Bad guy Clayface mm-hmm. running through the city like a gosh, year. yeah! It no, the, the
0: double page great. spread early on is just so great. Like it brings back all my memories of like seeing Clayface in the cartoon for the first time. Just like his sheer like size and power. It's like how do you even fight this thing? And like, yeah, Batman's trying to drive down the street to get to a place, and then you realize like that the street is Clayface, and he's. Driving on a road into his mouth. It's yeah. Just, oh, it's. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, I really like that. He's like, I'm, I'm on my way into this neighborhood, and it turns out. He's like, wait. J slash K. That's Clayface's arm, arm mouth tongue thing. <laughs> it's great. Ugh. It's wonderful. Uh, I, I would give this a seven and a half. I'll bet it would bump up to an eight or an eight and a
0: half if I had been current with the series. Um. I give it a ten. It made me cry um that'll
3: do it i didn't read it uh the last thing i read part of Tinian's series was the lonely place for living Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i read every single issue of detective comics of the rebirth run up until that and then i stopped i want to get back into it i'm glad that an entire arc's out i keep buying them i just don't know why i haven't read them
2: i was gonna say i got the issues.
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean they're at home right now so i guess i could read it but uh yeah I'll just do the mean average of whatever you guys said. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'd give it a seven, seven point five. Um, I think that like the shots of Clayface were really awesome. They remind me a lot of Akira. I think that there's a mm. lot of like Tetsuo in there in terms of like how his fingers are like half tendrils, and you can see his nails in there.
0: Uh, uh, what are we talking about next? I don't know. What's next on the docket? Oh, gosh. You guys want to talk about
1: Abbott Number 1 by Saladin Ahmed and Sami Kivela? Yeah. Colored colored by Jason Wardy. Colorist day, baby.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was not a colorist name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: All right. So this is in Detroit, 1972. Racial tensions are high. Uh, Black lady journalist shows up to kind of a white boys club uh, murder scene. And she is. Uh, she takes pictures of this horse that's been cut into pieces. A police horse. A police horse that's been cut up, and they're they're blaming it on the Negroes. It says, um, and she's pretty sure that's not what's going on. And they're just uh, just kind of grasping at straws. the the, the horse, though, when she sees it, has some weird kind of tendrils coming out of it. Um. We go through some kind of uh, background information on her. She's got some buddies in, uh, oh, what's the neighborhood? She's in part of Detroit, uh, the black part of Detroit, because uh, it's very segregated. And she is being defended by her boss, the editor of the newspaper. And she's got to write stories that she doesn't totally buy into uh, that kind of go against her, her political leanings she's very ordered she gets a call later that night after she falls asleep and uh, her ex-husband brings her to a crime scene he's a cop he brings her to a crime scene where she sees uh, the bottom half of a person body and it has that same crazy smoke tendrils coming out of it and uh, at the very end she's walking down the street goes into an alley and finds a cult member with more of that crazy smoke and demons in the smoke I thought this was
0: really dense and I liked it a lot. Me too. I, 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 when I got off work yesterday, I read Detective Comics right away. And then I read, I think, Mega Man. And then I read Abbott. And they were all a little dense, but I That's like. That's a lot
2: of words, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I
0: just really got into all of them. Like, I had never felt bored or slowed down. I just I got into this character a lot and it's dealing with a lot of issues that are still issues today somehow and yeah like they're magnified but probably
2: mm-hmm. just barely magnified at this Yeah, point.
0: like even like a black woman working at a newspaper of yep. entirely white men like it's it's unsettling how similar it is when it's like 40 years ago but and this is the same person that wrote
2: black bolt Bolt, right mm-hmm. um, and Jeff and I were talking earlier black bolt is less dense right
1: yeah so like I was really excited about this book and I really wanted to like it because I don't think that novelists come over to comic books and like really nail that transition super well because it's a really different uh, it's a different skill entirely like it's a different art and I, I don't think it's necessarily always painted that way. Um, and Black Bolt, I think, is a fantastic example of, yeah, a writer really trusting the artist to tell a lot of the story. Uh, that's also coupled with the fact that Black Bolt doesn't speak. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was really excited for this because I like uh, the idea of this guy. I would love to read some of his books. He's won awards. Um, and I was really excited for this time period, but I could not get into this book. I didn't particularly care for the art. Um, my biggest complaint was that, like, with the exception of a couple instances, like it, it just seemed like, uh, the vibe I got was that this was a book he was writing and then he, he was like, I could probably put this out as a comic book. Um, in terms of its density, in terms of how art is used, like with the exception of just like the way that she smokes cigarettes, it, there wasn't really instances of to me of like maximizing comics as a medium which, like, we can talk about because, like, Doomsday Clock did something that's one of my favorite instances of how you can use comic books uniquely. This was, like, a lot of just, like, pictures of faces in places while people were talking. Uh,
2: So I wonder if I liked it a lot because I've been reading so many of those uh, hard case crime books. Like, I think I've read almost every one of those books that they've put out from Titan Mm -hmm. that are basically just really dense adaptations of hard boiled novels. And that's that's what this feels like to me is like uh oh, kinda like Stump Town or not quite criminal because I think Ed Brubaker is more rooted in comics, but but something that is definitely taken from a book writer and turned into a comic book. Right. But they're they're not light reads.
3: I mean you guys know how I feel about like magic and mm-hmm. uh, I can yeah. even care less about like a detective you know, plot point in which everything changes at one point, I, for one, just love social commentary Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, taking your main protagonist, uh, as I was talking to Brayden about earlier in the day, and as he's already said previously today, is that, like, I mean, it's 1973. Had you not told me it was in 1973, I could have totally said that this was 2018. You know, these Mm -hmm. things are still happening in today's society. You know, these people are still being segregated in such a way and they're being classified and put into these different little boxes. And I'm not trying to get, like, too political or anything about it, but it's def- it's definitely, like, from a woman's perspective, from a black person's perspective, it's really difficult for her to, like, really navigate this world that's been created around her. And I don't think she'd be faring, like, all too differently in, like, today's society mm-hmm. either, especially mm-hmm. in Detroit.
0: And I think I think Achmed's definitely being uh, political with this. I'm sure they could have done more with the art, but I didn't feel like any of the dialogue was unnecessary or too, just like
2: too much of it. I think I think it's the style, and I I think I, I think it's just not like it's it's not a genre that you yeah. love, yeah. Jeff, and it's it's kind of. I think I'm just really used to it. Yeah, I mean... You need to give all of this information so that you can finally realize that some bystander in the first panel was the bad guy all along kind of thing. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I'd give it a 9-2. Uh, the only thing that's keeping me from giving it a 10, really, is just the fact that, like, I think a little bit too much of the routine thing was kind of hammered through. Mm. And I don't think they really, like, developed that enough for it to kind of, like, be paying off to some extent. I know it's just the first issue, too. But yeah, like,
0: I was I was hoping to see some kind of reason for exactly. that. Um, like, maybe because she lost her old boyfriend or something. Yeah. And it's, like, needs to do this to stay sane or something, but... And I
3: wouldn't be, like, too much of a stickler about it if it wasn't hammered through so much. Yeah. You know, she's like, yeah, she said it at least three that times. That like, yeah, you time know I'm a man of my routine or a woman of my routine. Time to get
2: my,
0: my whiskey here and then my whiskey there. Yeah. I'm like, oh, she likes her routines. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's five issues coming out uh, from Boom. So,
3: Ty, you're a guy who likes Southern Bastards. Oh, I'm not. I don't like Southern Bastards. I love Southern Bastards. Mm. That's my
2: favorite hey, book. you already told that joke.
3: Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Sorry. Cut that one out. I can um, do that. Story about Southern Bastards. I was feeling really down on myself one day. It was about three years ago, and I called you guys, and I was like, hey, do you guys have Southern Bastards? And you're like, yeah. Well, we have, like, the entire bundle. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll buy it. You're like, it's 40 bucks. I was like, yeah, I'll still buy it. I remember that day. Yeah, and I came in, and just bought all of them, and I read them. Just, I didn't do any homework. I just read all of them, and I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, the greatest book I've ever read. <laughs> so... Um, it's
1: It's been a dry season. We've waited about six months <laughs> for this book, so... Yeah, I mean, we had that last issue a couple months ago, but it was written by the artist and drawn by a different artist, and so it's it's been, like... Have six months since these two guys put out a book. That bugs me. I don't,
3: I know it shouldn't. I know they're all on the same page but like just the consistency. It's only happened twice yeah. within the series that uh, Jason Latour took over the writing and another guest artist
1: came in and did the illustrations. And that artist was the person who did the art in Jason Latour's book Loose Ends. Yeah. So it was a, like a collaborator and <laughs> um, Jason Aaron and Jason Latour like co-plot the whole thing out together. So it's not like Jason Aaron's story. They mm-hmm. do it all together and then he writes the script in the other oh one. definitely yeah yeah so like yeah I agree I don't know it doesn't it's not the same when it's not them but I actually mind it less than any other book when Jason Latour writes it and doesn't draw it oh definitely I
2: can't think of another image book that's that does that
1: so then how did you feel about this issue I was so stoked
3: for it that I read all 18 issues yeah. on Monday to pick this up Tuesday to I get ready for
2: him. it <laughs> I watched him while you read them
3: yeah he knew where I lived, and he, like, looked at me through the <laughs> window, and I knew he was there. Um, so I thought, I mean, geez, man, like, why can't these issues be longer? Because they're just so good. Uh, it's, it's interesting how they approach, first off, the narrative in which, like, who you identify as the protagonist. Because to me, like, for those of you who have read it, like, uh, the first three or four issues, the person who you thought was going to be the main catalyst for the, uh, the story dies, and everything else goes for like the perspective change goes to Coach Boss, and you know he's not like the nicest guy or whatever. But like you, st- like based off his backstories, you start to understand and get a little more compassion for I him. I
1: would, I would, I would agree. But I would also say he is a very, very bad man. Is he a victim of circumstance, though? See, and that's what I love. And yeah. that's what I love about this book and what I love about Scout and what I love about life in mm-hmm. general is that, like, I don't believe people are bad people, and I believe that everyone is a hero of their own story, and I don't think anybody writes that or teaches that lesson better than Jason Aaron. Um, but there was literally a point in this book where, like, I almost fist-pumped because a horrible person did a horrible thing. And and I was like, whoa, I feel <laughs> good and bad at the same time, like it's the greyest situation. And like it would be way more horrible if he hadn't been humanized throughout all of Volume Two. Oh yeah. But it's also like he's better at making you understand somebody. That like, Brayden, this is the first issue you've ever read, and I bet that Coach Boss probably seemed like a maybe a more black and white bad guy here.
0: Almost. It was. It was weird. It, um, I didn't like him, mm. and I didn't care about him but it made me care about what happened to him mm-hmm. which i thought was very well done especially having never read any of this before like i i could like i could very clearly tell like what his character was about and like that he was clearly not like you know a good dude but also like the epicenter of a lot of interesting shit going on in craw county apparently
3: this guy is just like caged and to make matters worse you got some hippie who lives out in the woods with a oh, cross man bro. that
1: was such a good reveal yeah yeah I, I guess and i also i love this book because like unlike other books i had no idea what was going to happen every single page no. like and like as it was escalating in that parking lot you're like either either roberta's gonna die or ulis is gonna die and then this dude shows up and you're like, oh fuck, of course this guy shows up. And yeah, I don't know. Like uh yeah, Jason Aaron lives in an environment and he writes an entire story and makes an environment the character and he introduces you to all the people in the environment. So then like this you know, people can disappear and then reappear many issues later, and you're like, Oh, of course. Yeah. I don't know. I I yeah, I give this a nine point five. I would I've given it a ten, um, but there were like things that paid off in this issue that I can't help but feel like I would have enjoyed it more if I had either like just sat down and read them or if it had come out in a slightly more timely manner. So I, I can't disregard that as as playing into how much I was able to enjoy it. So what did you? Oh, and also that woman standing there smoking, who's that? Oh yeah, so that's the uh, mayor's wife. Okay, and I was like, fuck yeah, what a
3: wonderfully done scene. Oh yeah, and she's definitely like orchestrating this entire plot Evil, yeah. based off how I. I read the entire situation. Yeah, she's trying to rally her troops, and, uh, you know, that's another reason why Coach Boss is just in this corner right now. He uh, He's dug himself a hole, and I don't know. I, I just feel this – everything's encapsulating, like, coming up around me. I'm getting gang-tackled. And I'm like, how is Coach Boss going to get out of this one? He has, like, no other
1: plays left in his playbook. I love that we both kind of are, I think, coming from different different uh, opinions with, with- – coach boss and i guess that's what i love so much about yeah. this book is that it's, it's a, so what do you give it oh 10 definitely nice. like sorry every single time brayden what do you give it
0: uh eight eight um i didn't know all of what was going on on the wider sense but i was never bored and like it was very clear all the way through that it was a very finely constructed story i'm uh, too far behind to read it
1: yeah it, i i also like i would feel bad about making somebody Skip ahead like three or four issues to read yeah, that I'm, book. I'm right?
2: three trades in.
1: I thought this was going to be the last issue of this arc, but there's one more. One more. Which is Twenty awesome. is going to be the last hey. one. Boy.
2: hey! Now there ain't nothing that goes from southern blasters to Mega Man. It's
1: going to just well, gonna be guns, guns cool. black Cut. southern blasters, southern blasters. Yeah, you know
0: what? You you load that buckshot into a Mega Buster and it's going to do some real damage. X bleep Buster.
4: Bleep, bleep,
0: bleep. Um, listen, y'all. Mega Man Master Mix number 1 came out today. It's uh, a reprinting of old Mega Man comics by Hitoshi Ariga, but it's colored for the first time on National Colorist Appreciation Day Inter- International It was international. Global, <laughs> universal. Uh colored by Josh Perez and I loved it. It was gorgeous um we tried to get Django to read it. I read some of it. Mm-hmm. I read until the girl tried to clean the room, and then I thought,
2: "This is for somebody else to read." Yep, it was for me. I, I, <laughs> I could tell that it was really good for somebody who wasn't me. Yeah, and
0: but. I don't—I've never even been that big of a Mega Man fan. Like I've played—I had one of the games on my Game Boy, and I played a couple like here and there, but just he, he's so crazy anime, and he's very. Clearly a ripoff of Astro Boy, like a number of Japanese cartoons and franchises, but... But he's Mega Man. But he's Mega Man. He's the so the game first? Astro what? Boy.
2: The video oh. game? Oh. Or the, the mm. comic or the... I th- think the video game. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think, but I don't know. But it's an old game. It's like NES stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, yeah. I was around when that came
1: out. Oh, 36. Yeah. So 2018. Yeah. 36. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought you were 19.
0: Um... Someone's what? aiming for a raise. <laughs> <laughs> so this this issue basically just deals with the origins of Mega Man. His uh, his father slash creator is Dr. Light, who makes him and makes a bunch of other robots to live along with humanity and work for them and stuff. His robots get corrupted and they all become evil and start wrecking shit up and hurting humans. So uh, Mega Man, who's just... A dude at the start, I mean a robot, like a domestic robot, gets upgraded into a combat Mega Man so he can go fight all the other robots. He he fights all of them, gaining their powers as he goes, and saves the day eventually. But Dr. Wily is the bad doctor who's corrupted them, and he's got more bad robots on the way, and he's going to fight them all.
3: Bruce Lee style.
0: in on oh, yeah. one of
2: these pages, he uh, the, the doctor says... He used Gutsman's super
1: arm? Mm-hmm. Dude, he puts his hand on them, and then he absorbs their weapons through yep. his front gym, and he get like, I had all the toys when I was growing up. Oh, man. Yeah, front gyms.
0: Can't wait for Rush Jet to show up. Oh, Rush. But, uh, Ty, you, you read this whole thing, and yeah. I'm super humbled that you would do that for me.
3: Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I always try and read all of you guys' pixies. Suck sleep. up. <laughs> I don't have to suck up to you. I don't yeah, Brady, quit know. sucking up to Ty.
0: Smells so good, though. You, you <laughs>
3: smell very good. You read Southern Bastards, and I was like, okay, yeah, I told you I'll read this. Song. I mean, this is it. like
0: twice the size of Southern Bastards, yeah. but I mean, we were waiting
3: out here for an hour, or so like, why not? Are, are you waiting for guys,
0: <laughs> running
2: a very important because Jeff <laughs>
1: had to finish the monthly order. He had to do his nose and makeup. You that sword for me, buddy. <laughs> I think that we all ended up waiting for me at the very end of this before the podcast. Oh yeah, it's true. Uh, I could
3: definitely tell this is a quarterly comic just based off how much detail is put into the art itself. Like, everything just, like... I don't think there's a scene or even a panel in this entire book that just seemed lazy and just kind of thrown in there just to, like, s- fill space. I was really impressed with that. Like, the consistency throughout, the facial expressions, all of it was just real good. Can't say it's my kind of thing, and uh, I will... The backstory to this is, do you remember Super Smash Bros. and Nintendo 64? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was once told in first grade that if you complete the entire, like, campaign by just using Samus's blasts...
0: There were so many rumors back in the day around those Smash Bros. games. That you <laughs> would unlock like... Mega Man! Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I give it a 10 out of 10. I, I, I friggin' loved it. If you have any nostalgia or love for Mega Man, I think you would really enjoy it. But Don't. Yeah.
1: yeah. So now, Jango, I feel like you had an accent for us.
2: An accent?
1: Like a voice, a character?
2: Oh, a no. A transition, a segue? It's, it's different. Oh. oh. It's different because we were oh. doing Mega Man. Because Mega Man just, um, just... How would you do laser Mega Laser Buckshot. laser <laughs> <Buster> Bucks. Laser <laughs> Buckshot. <laughs> he just laser. defeated Buckshot Man and acquired a new power. Buckshot Man. All right, guys, I need help. I'm, I need to I need help workshopping this uh, southern robot laser buckshot. Laser buckshot. L- <laughs> pretty laser good. Laser buckshot.
0: I, <laughs> I don't think you can say laser with the southern accent. La- I mean, like you can, you can try as hard as you laser. want. lies Listen,
2: Brayden, it's laser. Laser. <laughs> you uh-huh. just got to add a few syllables. La- laser. Laser. La-izer. You know, southern haikus are totally <laughs> different. <laughs> they are different.
1: Their
0: arms are different. <laughs> Your friends
1: out in Ferndale are shaking their heads right now. They're not feeling it. So they not haikus southern haikus are 13, 18, 13. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, Brayden. Smith, minute and a half. Oh my God! Buckshots, ready, set, go! Monstrous
0: number thirteen. Monstrous is back. It's been a big hiatus. Uh, Marjorie uh, Lou and Sonata Takeda. It's um, it's back, and I'm super happy. And like the art is so gorgeous and so detailed and so beautiful that I would wait months and months for each of these issues if I could because it's. It's worth the wait every time. Um, it's a little hard to keep up with the story because it's been so long, but Micah half Wolf has gone through some shit, as she does in almost every issue. She's got Kippa and the cat, whose name I forget. There's, They were just on a boat. They've got Safe Haven in a new town where they're getting acquainted with the higher-ups there and looking for sanctuary. There's shark people Mm. that are so beautiful Mm. to look at it's it's a trip every time I read it and I don't always know what's going on but like every character is so interesting and so beautifully designed that I just love looking at them and seeing what they're saying and like almost there's new ones introduced left and right every time and they're all so beautiful and unique it's it's a whirlwind of like characters and narrative to keep up with but It never feels like a chore too much because it's all just so lovely and beautiful to look at and you always know Micah at the heart of it. Uh, Nine out of ten.
1: Nine out
0: of ten. Brayden, have you read other Marjorie Liu books? Um, I read some of her X-23 stuff um, and a few things that she did for Marvel back in the day. Were they good? Did you like them? Yeah. I really liked her X-23 stuff and I think she was doing like extraordinary x-men or astonishing x-men at one point
2: i haven't read a book of hers that grabbed me I, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that she's not a good writer it just means that she writes uh like worlds and settings that don't really appeal to me i read yeah. the first couple issues of Monsters and i love the art yeah you i think you got me into it and i don't
0: care about what's going on that was
1: my relationship it's, it's with it a well.
0: super super high fantasy world that she clearly yeah. has this very laid out vision for that's it just feels like i'm getting glimpses of each issue and it's yeah. kind of dense in that regard but and i think i would I've like it if it was it. a
2: sci-fi version of the same thing i yeah. just like the the high fantasy stuff scares me off even though every time i see it i want to i just want to like take a bath in the in the art <laughs> so yeah it's gorgeous
1: yeah Oh, okay. Um Jangle, you've yeah. got uh, 90 seconds all to yourself. You're going
2: to give me a buckshot a lay
1: like All
2: right, listen, I hope that didn't take 4 of my seconds right no, there. No, I, 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 uh, I, I just, Vinegar Teeth number 1 by Troy Nixie, Damon Gentry and Guy Major. This is weirdo horror crime comic and it's <laughs> awesome and gross. Like you can hear this comic while you're reading it. And you can kind of Smell it. The hats are way too big. The the the, the people are just chewing on their sentences, and, and it's wonderful. Uh, I don't remember what else Troy Nixie drew. Did he draw this? Troy Nixie did draw this. I don't remember what else he drew. I know I liked it. I think maybe he did some of the uh, Black Hammer books. Uh, love that one. Wild Storm number 11, Warren Ellis, John Davis Hunt with Steve Buccioletto. Um, this book is really getting moving. It's taken 11 issues for me to feel like it's really trucking along. And there's a lot of really neat stuff going on in this. All all these characters are primed to kick some ass. Maestros, number four. Um, I'm still digging this. This is mostly a flashback issue. All the blood and gore is here. All the high fantasy that I just said I don't like is right here, and uh, maybe I'm digging it because it's all full of blood and guts. Also, Jeff Lemire and David Rubin's Sherlock Frankenstein and the Lost Legion of Evil just had its final issue. It was really good. Jeff Lemire does that thing.
1: <laughs> that thing you do, Jeff.
2: You got
0: them all. I was, I was worried. You took your time with Vinegar Teeth, and I was like, oh, he's got three more books to go. I
2: wasn't ready. That laser threw me off and mm. shit. He was I, killing
0: we it. We don't usually do laser buck shots. I'm
2: going to give Vinegar <laughs> Teeth an eight. I'm going to give Wildstorm an eight. I'm going to give Maestros a seven and a half, and I'm going to give Sherlock Frankenstein... Oh, God. Bump all those up one and give Sherlock Frankenstein <laughs> an eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. If you're not reading the Black Hammer books, you're you're making a mistake. Does anybody have any questions? No questions. Okay, <laughs> Jeff, minute and a half.
1: Uh, Phoenix Resurrection number four by Matthew Rosenberg, uh, Ramon Rosanis, and Rochelle Ra- Rosenberg on the color artist. Uh, I'm just reading this, I guess, and talking about it, so you guys don't have to. Uh, this issue probably didn't need to exist. I think the whole thing could have been like three issues. Um... Basically, this, yeah, they find the dome, and then they go in the dome that they introduced in the last issue. I think this five-issue miniseries could have been, like, three. I think it's better than I was anticipating it to be, but I think the pacing is, is pretty off. But I do think uh, there, it, it is pretty dark at times. There's some interesting stuff happening with Gene inside the dome. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man by Dan Slon, Christos Gage, Stuart Eminem, and then Wade Von Grabodger and Marte Gracia. Uh, this... This is fine, but you guys, at the very end of this, Norman Osborn gets the Carnage symbiote. What? (laughs) So Green Goblin Carnage is on its way, which is fucking awesome. I don't give a shit. The issue itself didn't matter, but I'm so on board with that last arc. And then Flash number 39 by uh, Joshua Williamson, Carmen Diagemendico, and Ivar Placentia. Um, words, words, words. This is a huge step up in quality from the last three issues that have been coming out. Um, this guy can draw the shit out of The Flash. They do some cool explanation for all the glowing lines in his costume. I don't care about the whole black hole portion of The Flash, but uh, I, Iris stuff, Grodd shows up at the end. The art's gorgeous. It's good. Uh, yeah.
3: It was also the 700th issue.
1: It was the 700th issue, but they're not advertising that shit except for on the B covers. They just sort is of write weird? It is weird. It, yeah. Not doing a big deal out of it. Um, Um, Phoenix Resurrection, I would give a six, although I would give the overall thing like a seven, but I do think it could be fewer issues.
2: He's trying out his uh, Warren Ellis hat.
1: Yeah. I would give Amazing Spider-Man like... You know, four and a half. I don't really like Dan Slott's run on Spider-Man, but I have loved his Norman Osborn stuff in the past, and and this is awesome. So I give that last page an eight point five, and I can't <laughs> fucking wait for the final. Isn't uh, Dan
2: Slott's run like fifteen years now. He's it's, I, it's ending. soon. I
1: think that he has. I think he even passed Stan Lee as, as having written more Spider-Man than any person, if you include the brand new day stuff, in which there was like five people, so they were all wow. co credited. He was
0: shooting for Bendis' run, but. Uh, he he announced he was going to give it up before he realized that Ben no was leaving, him and he could have gotten it in yeah, sight.
1: Well, no one wants you still here, <gasps> Um And the Flash, I would give uh, an eight to because it was a big step up, and I really like Carmen Dig and Domenico's art. Do you think
2: that the Green Goblin? Yes. Getting the Carnage symbiote.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: you think we're going to get a Green Carnage? That's, or a I'm, red a, goblin.
1: A red goblin is what the arc is called, I believe. Oh,
2: Ugh. I want a green carnage so much more than I want a red goblin.
1: Um, I don't know. It's gonna look like Christmas either way, and I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christmas boy! Mm. I am. I am that. Hey, Ty. What's up? Welcome to the Buckshot Arena, baby. You <laughs> got go. 90 seconds on the clock. Pressed
3: out. I'm going to spend the entire time talking about Hal Jordan and Green Lantern Corps, otherwise known as Hal and Pals. <laughs> uh, never really felt Vendetti was that strong after Jeff Johns, more or less, kind of t- like he kind of ended the entire Green Lantern run on such a good note. Dropping my. Like- who else could pick this up? Daddy was like, okay, well, you left it this way, let's see where we can go from it, and it didn't go that well. Rebirth, he spent the entire time just rebuilding Green Lantern to, like, what it has been. They got all the Guardians back, they got all four of the Green Lanterns, like, the core ones, minus Jessica uh, Cruz and Simon Baz into, like, the uniforms. This is the first issue in which they've finally been able to go actually out and do stuff, and they're doing cop stuff. You know, they're like, "Hey, I just reported out in this here sector that, uh, you know, we got some disturbances." Turns out it's Zod. You know, Zod from the uh, the attack on the Superman arc over in Action Comics. Like, oh my God, like that's crazy stuff that's going on over there. Oh, so. <laughs> Yeah, like, Zod's out there, and he's doing what Zod does, and he's very elitist about all of it. Um, just Rex Green Lantern and whatnot. But I'm just, I'm just happy for them to return all the way back to this, this style of space cops and being able to just tell the story with all of them under the same house, and I hope it stays this way for some time now. And, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing best, James Vendetti. Like, I know you did Exo Manowar pretty well, but, uh, yeah, this is becoming... It is one of my favorite books. Is it, is it James? Oh. God. Is it Robert? Robert Venditti. I don't
2: know why I said James. You were thinking J- Jimmy T.I.V. Jimmy T.I.V. They both got...
3: Uh, rating? Eight. It'll start to a series. I don't think it would be that good. Uh, I think that Jeff Johns is... His run on Green Lantern is what cemented him in the position that he is now in D.C. I mean, he's writing Doomsday Clock right now. He brought back manhattan and everybody who does that he gets to do whatever the hell he wants
2: crazy person i'm trying I mean, to think of a, a thing that goes back farther than magic that is based on colors like that i guess well like ultron yeah yeah,
1: yeah 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 that's Voltron it goes back and, that but far? if you want to not look at it as going backwards and just going so far forward that there's almost just one <laughs> being left except for his flaming-headed counterpart
2: well but who brought him there
1: well who would he bring to keep him company
2: Oh, he'd bring himself.
1: He'd bring himself. Natch, natch. Tanis, fifteen. <laughs> Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw. Color artist Antonio Fabella. The anus. Fabella. Tanis. T-
2: oh no! You ruined this. That's that Jim
1: Sarland said. It's talk about talk about a great opening page. Oh fuck, yeah. yes. Um, yeah. It's actually, I, the
2: opening page is the same as the cover from like four comics to a couple weeks ago. Just a big old skull. There was an X-Men and a Hulk. Or, like, two comics. Ra- Never mind. Cut,
0: um,
1: that, cut that out. Kill the- <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> There's that fart sound. Yeah, dude, this book, I think, has gotten better and better with each issue. Yeah, like, I wasn't
0: completely sold in the first one, but it's every one, it's getting me more and more.
1: Yeah, uh, and I think this is my favorite thing he's been doing. He's He got a bunch more work after doing God Country, and uh, this is my favorite of them. I love, like... Current continuity comics, then like thrown way far into the future or way into the past or way sideways. And this is just so far in the future, and it's just Thanos, Hulk, and Ghost Rider at this point. And like Silver Surfer showing up the cover to the next issue has like or like has Galactus with giant guns and stuff trying to fight Thanos. It's just oh, it's like stupid big and stupid dumb. At the end of this, Silver Surfer shows up with the Annihilation Wave, like the you know, like Annihilus' oh, wave. I believe so. I
0: didn't know what any of it was, but I just know he looked amazing.
1: He looks cool, oh, and yeah. Annihilus has the Annihilation wave, which is like these giant parasitic insects in an infinite wave that come unrelentingly for eternity. And he's full
2: of Kirby crackle.
1: Yep. Yep. It's, yeah, this this was uh. great. I loved it. I know. Braden loved it also. I love the like, horrible bondage relationship Thanos has created with Hulk and the way that Hulk like whimpering face looks up at him like like he just wants to die. Also, Ghost Rider uh. is who?
2: Brayden's being your hype man right now just with groans. Oh. Oh. I, no, I just... I, oh.
0: I read this issue and it was like it kept being like more and more like oh fuck. Oh fuck. It was really good. Like It's like reveal after reveal after reveal. Like I finished it and it was like oh man, that part was so cool but so was that part and that part and it was... So uh, many it, parts You're yeah. right
1: It is like reveal after reveal after reveal Which is I think what I like about these Far removed from continuity And continuity stories Because you get to create your own version Of all these things that are familiar to you mm-hmm. Which is why I think Old Man Logan is great Or like Injustice at DC is great Or the Ultimate Universe is great Like everyone loves being like Fuck why is he this guy now Yeah, This, like, is,
0: this feels like the, uh, the, the The Dark Knight's medal for Marvel right mm-hmm. now Like it's Got that ridiculous, like, darkness and just going crazy with the continuity. It is bonkers. And it's insane, and I love every minute of
2: it. So, Brayden, you sold me on reading this based on the idea that the reveal was that the uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider is actually Frank Castle. The That actually got me, too. The Punisher, right? Do you guys think that the first issue, the first appearance of the Punisher is going to go up in value based on this reveal? No. I'm just joking.
1: I no, I was, really was going to say, like, that, I, I, I mean, yeah, that's funny because, you know, like, the first yeah. issue of this run two issues ago has gone way up in value because it's the first appearance of this ghost writer. Is it going to go way down in value now because it's
0: just Frank Castle? I think that
1: inflated value is infuriating to me on a <laughs> subjective level. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm annoyed that the two issues ago is worth a bunch of money. Also, like, I ordered, like, ten extra copies of that last minute because Roman likes this writer. Yeah. And then they went way up in value and then, like, a week after they went up in value we got a bunch in. And it yeah. was just, like, I hate inflated value. But, um...
2: Yeah, well, I... Do you think this one's gonna do the same thing since it has Dickhead Silver Surfer in it?
1: Just All <laughs> Black Silver Surfer? I... I don't like the Ghostwriter as the Punisher type thing. I don't dislike it. I love this issue and I love learning that. But the voice is just oh, totally yeah. different. It and is, I, and I like the idea of Frank Castle being driven insane. But then also, I don't like the idea he, of Frank. Yeah, Castle I don't know. Driven I don't know how I feel about his it. Fucking kids were shot, and he was in hell for a while.
0: But he now says. he's been here for like millions of years, apparently. Yeah, why is he even speaking English?
1: Yeah, so well, there's hasn't he made his own language. There's some you holes know are. Who knows? <laughs> there's holes to it in that regard. I, I I buy that like Frank Castle could inherit the Ghost Rider spirit, but I don't know his voice for him is. It I, I got I, I read that and I was like oh, that's kind of cool from a fun perspective, but like it doesn't, it doesn't add up to me.
0: When I got to that reveal, I I spent a lot of time turning the gears in my head. It's like Frank Castle, huh? And it's just like is Vietnam trading guns. It doesn't sound Frank like him ca- now, but like could it sound like him? Like millions of in years a million now? years, I like, definitely could maybe? say. But yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm still a little conflicted <clears throat> about it, but I I don't know. I like him nonetheless. Oh yeah, it like I don't know if it's my Frank
1: Castle. but... As conflicted as I am, it's still I love this book enough that it, it wasn't actually. It didn't factor into me lowering my score at all. I was just sort of like, "Oh, it's far enough in the future that, like, if you want to say that happens, that's cool. You're not saying yeah. that Frank Castle next month does this thing, you mm-hmm. know."
2: Hashtag my cosmic Ghost Rider because it's the only ghostwriter Rider, cosmic Ghost Rider
1: that there is. Mm-hmm. Hashtag my cosmic Ghost <laughs> Yeah, MCG Ghost
0: Rider. I mm-hmm.
3: hate hashtags. I will never use them. are so one. dope, dude. I used the no. hashtag
0: today on Twitter and we got so many likes and retweets. <laughs> it was great.
2: I yeah I I think that the plotting and the drama in this is really good. I don't love the dialogue, but also
0: yeah, the the bits where Thanos is talking to himself got a little repetitive. It's like
2: I'd like to know what you think of Thanos talking so Thanos
1: talking to he Heihannes, um old man Thanos. <laughs> I could see so I kept I kept being like, man, quit being a dick to each other. I I did feel Yourself. that. But at the same time, I liked the idea. So I was thinking about this and I was thinking about that and I was thinking what is like what was his what's his biggest work? And it's God Country, which is a father son story. Mm-hmm. And that like a lot of his stories really do kind of come from that perspective. Um like generational stories. Right. And if you look at this less I really thought of it as an older person getting to have a conversation with their younger self and how I would feel talking to my younger self. Like, and I dad,
2: why are you putting on that suit before you go out?
1: But think about how much more infuriating it would be if it wasn't dad, it was you. Right. And like, okay. and like how much <laughs> young person would hate old person, but how much old person would hate young person. Because to be a different instance of yourself separated by time is to mean that you are the exact opposite while yeah. also having a bunch of similarities. So, um, I do think it was a little overwrought, but I think that like I think that more than anything, this book, if you take out all that cool future parallel world stuff, it's just a really interesting conversation between a person and them past their past self. Yeah. And and how much I don't like myself today, but think about how much I wouldn't like myself five years ago if I could talk to me. Yeah. And then like a million years ago. And and I do I do think that's a little interesting. It might be a little heavy-handed. I I don't I, I don't have like a strong view of what I think Thanos sounds like. Eight point five.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it an eight. I don't even like this comic.
0: Um, I give it a nine. The opening outline of his depravity was amazing. The reveal of Hulk was amazing, and Frank Castle was cool. And then Silver Surfer was.
3: I exploded. I give it a nine. Like I mm-hmm. really like this. I do disagree with a lot of the se- things you said, though, Jeff. Yeah. I yeah. love you. No, no, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. But, but like, I don't know. Like, I just think the the talking to your past self, like, yeah. And, and you were using the argument like, if I were to go back and talk to the person like I was like five years ago, for instance, yeah, yeah. like, I don't know. Like, think about the person you were at the time, the things that they're going through, and the things that shaped that mentality. And I just think that, like, that I didn't like the way that they were talking to each other. That whatever his name was, King Thanos, or, was that right? Old Man Thanos. Old Man Man Thanos Thanos talking to a young man Thanos. And, you know, it's like, uh, you're like, you don't know what you're in for, you know, and you think, like, you're at the pinnacle of your genius. I'm at the pinnacle of my genius. I just think that's such a tried and untrue pattern
1: that just doesn't, prove I would just say that, just that the people weed. that I have maybe the hardest time getting along with are the people that I'm 85% the same as and then 15% different because you like like Justin and I. This reminded me like Justin and I. I don't know that I've ever felt as similar to somebody as Justin and then also have these like weird slight differences where sometimes like Justin, you're listening. I know you agree. Like sometimes you <laughs> just be like, "What the fuck!" Like, like, and that's that thing of when you are so in the same place that I feel like when something outside of that comes, uh, and, and I guess that's what I feel like the same personality separated by time does that. is that okay. is like they're eighty five percent the same. But there's fifty the, the layer of fat around the muscle of their you know being is uh, is is different based on how time has seasoned them and um, what they perceive to be true about reality has to be fundamentally different right now. So, so I, I guess that's what I mean. Like it, it's okay. uh, it's I don't like them necessarily. Thinking they're at the pinnacle of their genius. That's not how I was I was viewing. It. But it's like. You know, young me would be like Jeff. Why aren't you a fucking musician? And old me is like, just fucking don't real like tamper your ambition with your understanding of of your love for people and connecting. Like, there's there's this. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think I explain it super well, but no, I'd love to continue this conversation. We should outside we should go fight about it. We want to. <laughs> I got fist a up. lantern ring fist on right up. now. Every time I look down, somebody's wearing that yellow lantern ring. It's a different person.
0: Listen, there's a lot of fear in this room. <laughs> Uh, oh, speaking sorry, I of you just fear.
2: Oh, no, I, uh, I I punched Oh, I'm gonna uh, You guys punch. are gonna fight Oh, we're gonna, gonna Tainus punch? It's a heinous Man. punch
0: I'm gonna have to buy this
2: uh, Hey, guys
0: Listen. I only
2: wrote a haiku about one comic this week I wrote
3: one as well Me too I wrote one about saying? Doomsday Clock You were just sketching that down a second ago, weren't you?
2: Yeah, well, I wrote it when you guys were talking about something I didn't read. I <laughs> so think you it's were medium listening. good. No, I wasn't listening. I'm you sorry. You think Doomsday
1: <laughs> Clock is medium good? No, I think my
2: haiku is medium <gasps> good, but I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to read it until we talk okay, about the well, book.
1: Okay, well, sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll get all of our haikus at the end here.
2: Um, all right, so this is Doomsday Clock number three of 12. It's by... It's three oh o'clock. Oh, God, who did it? Who did this? It who was, done it? Uh, Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns Gary Frank. Frank and Who's Brad the Anderson. Who's the what else has Brad Anderson done? I, I think know. other Gary Frank books. He. I done. knew of uh, Brad
3: Anderson in uh, middle school. Mister. I bet it's Anderson. him. I, huh. I bet it is him, too.
2: I don't think I have many bad things to say about this. Do you have any bad things to say about it? Nothing's coming to mind.
1: I can't think of a single complaint I would have about this. And I this think post.
2: that that kind of comes down to... I think that the, the there are two camps for the Doomsday Clock. And... I fall into the camp that is reading a comic that's following a comic rather than reading creators following creators. Most of the complaints that I saw were about the creator beefs rather than the work itself. Mm-hmm. And as I was reading that, I just realized like that wasn't something that I thought about at all through this whole – like reading this issue – I was just looking at it as an homage to another great comic and building upon that. Um and then I got online and saw a bunch of well he's just stealing from Alan Moore and this is stealing. Like, well and and there I mean to be fair it's direct references panel, panel so you could totally page, say stealing. page 1 is stolen from Watchmen. Like that is that that doesn't have to be Gary Frank drawing this. This is this is the reveal that Veet killed the comedian but I think that the,
1: you know like the, the usage of even the word steal like it's it it, it there's such nuance to this conversation to be had oh, like yeah. stealing is it stealing like I think it's a direct reference to so like yeah
2: and and I think it's important not to just take the original page and do it I think it's important to have this artist do this even if it's a direct recap um which is which is basically what it is it's a recap of Blake being the comedian being thrown out of the window, and then just before he hits the ground, he gets teleported into probably the Gotham City Harbor mm-hmm. or the Metropolis Harbor, is my guess. And he shows up uh, on the, he shows up underwater and swims to the beach where he meets Doctor Manhattan, and then we flash forward to him fighting uh, Ozymandias in Lex Luthor's office while Lex Luthor bleeds on the floor. And uh, there's a lot of cool stuff that happens there. We jump over to Rorschach talking to Batman, apologizing for eating his pancakes and giving him Kovac's journal, the original Rorschach's journal. Um, And then there's a cool little transition there uh, that we should talk about in a second. Mm. Uh, And it goes back to the mime. Is it the mime and the marionette? marionette, uh, Hanging out in the... uh, The Joke Lounge. uh, What is it? The Killing Joke Carnival.
1: The Joke House, Uh, H-A-U-S. Joke House.
2: um, And then then we get to see, like, Batman be nice to Rorschach and offer him a shower. We get to see a Nathaniel Dusk TV show that's happening uh, in, in the background, kind of like the Black Freighter. We see the clowns go and just beat the shit out of the Joker's bad guy gang and at the end Batman tricks Rorschach into being in Arkham Asylum
1: I think that was one of the like best played out reveals I thought that was fantastic. I didn't see that coming yeah I didn't either and I <laughs> I, I thought that. of a couple places I thought it was going and I just thought that was so awesome and heartless Joker
2: Joker Joker no you're just in jail yeah yeah <laughs> they used a character that i love nathaniel dusk who only had 8 issues of comics ever and hasn't hasn't been used since hasn't been seen since 1984 hasn't even been reprinted in a trade paperback and he's not really a main character but he's definitely an important part of this comic uh and i just got tickled by that i'm i'm i brought in the comics I'm going to leave them here at the shop, just in case anybody wants to see them. Uh, come into the comics place, and uh, they'll, they'll be in my file. Anybody can show them to you.
0: If you want to borrow them.
2: Uh, you can look at them. <laughs> I want everybody to see them. You can't
1: borrow them He's yet. not just giving out his Natty D's. Yeah, uh, I'll take it. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, that was a uh, Don McGregor and Gene Collin comic that I just fell in love with when I was, uh, I don't know, probably 10 or 11? That's some hard-boiled, not 10 or 11-year-old shit right there. What did you guys think? Uh, I
3: loved the symmetry in each one of the panels. Uh, the nine panel, oh my God, hasn't made a resurgence over the course of the last fiscal year. (laughs) Like it is just, they're, they're, they're doing things with it now that like there was innovative things going happening back in the day. Uh, but they, I mean what Tom King is doing with uh, Mr. Miracle, what Jeff Johns is doing with Doomsday Clock, like he's, he's, paying homage to it but at the same time he's extending it for uh forward there's a symmetry there's not a lot like we're talking about detective comics earlier and how like oh they just can't wait to get that splash page that splash page and just this you know it's killing all the dialogue it's killing all the action i for one am not a fan of action sequences Mm -hmm. yeah i i don't care much for like fighting or whatever but the way that time elapses uh in the nine panel grid layout is impressive and it makes me actually want to care about how everything is happening
2: you can see the bar fight in this
3: exactly it's
2: yeah it's it's very cinematic
3: and you know just like laying it out uh when you open each page he's not just breaking the the grid just in order just to do like this big splash page it's like this really cinematic really pivotal point in the the, uh the narrative that you know it's just an exclamation if anything else. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that.
2: And that's what Watchmen did too. Like yeah. this this is all crypt from Watchmen. Stolen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you want to use the word stolen. Yeah. I mean But to it's... me stolen implies trying to get away with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alan Moore out to me a, is yeah. like as telegraphed and intentionally telegraphed and like is a loving homage. So I, I wouldn't personally use the word stolen at all because no one is like, oh, wow, really innovative thing. You're like, oh, yeah, that's the same thing that happened on the same page on the thing that you're referencing. I'd like
0: to read this and Watchmen
2: one page at a time mm-hmm. and
0: see. I don't think uh, level of detail always translates to, like, objectively good I mean, That's me. not what
1: I'm saying at all. Level of detail is, is well, different I mean, than level of intention.
0: I mean, just in terms of, like, how much there. Like you said, like panel to panel, like almost mirroring some things from Watchmen and like, you know, having such a very clear and defined plan for this whole thing. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's a it's a technical feat, absolutely. But it's, I don't think those kinds of feats are always uh, emotionally moving for me.
3: I think sure. what's most shocking about this is the fact that they're moving towards more like, they're, they're, I mean, they brought back the comedian, you know, they're bringing back all these characters that I didn't think that they would. I was like, okay, Jeff Johns. Oh, you think you're so cool and got a big dick acting like, oh, yeah, I'm like head of DC right now. And he and he's flaunting it like he is and he's doing these things. And I understand what you're saying. But these technical feats that they're doing, they're doing it like near flawlessly. Mm -hmm. But they're pushing the story not in a way in which it's you know carbon copy
2: for me that points to the care that was put into the whole package right like not not as a gimmick but as a byproduct of how much attention they paid to every right aspect of every little bit of this and I think Watchman nailed that yeah like Watchman is such watchman's put together like one of dr. Manhattan's dad's clocks
1: or like right yeah, and I,
2: I think that that's I think that the clocks the clock theme in Watchman, points to the care that the creators put into making it. And I think that this is definitely going to be a little more bombastic and a little more I don't even want to say modern, but they're they're putting the same amount of care into making a louder story.
0: What did you think of the the issue, Brayden? Me? Yeah. Oh, I I was Kind of bored for most of it. Really? Um, I didn't care for much of the fight stuff. I skipped over a lot of the night detective. Nathaniel
1: Dusk stuff. The, the, dusk,
0: uh-huh. the Dusk Man stuff. I didn't
1: love the Dusk stuff. I might be the only person
2: in the entire world that read the Nathaniel Dusk
1: stuff. But I didn't like the Black Freighter stuff in Watchmen. And mm. I didn't like <laughs> I the loved text. The Black and I didn't so. like the text Back Matter. Um, I loved it. <laughs> and, and that's like me as a 16 year old reading that book. But like, I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't like those at that time, and I didn't really care for the Nathaniel Dusk stuff. But
0: uh, I do like the Mime and Marionette uh, stuff because they're new characters that are. Yeah, I'm not sure what their end game is and how they're going to play into this. So I'm curious to learn more about them, and I'm curious to learn how uh, what Doctor Manhattan's end game is. But I'm I don't think I'm patient enough to wait 11 issues to find out what how he's going to punch Superman or vice versa. (laughs) Yeah. Which I want want to know how that's going to happen. I want to see it happen, but...
1: It's all going to build up to issue 11, Dr. Manhattan and Superman fighting in space.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. 9.5. 9.5. I'm taking half a point away because I think the A cover is
1: dumb. Especially compared to the B cover. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can
0: we... Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we almost need to swap our orders. Like, the, the B covers have been so much better. Oh,
1: they definitely have been.
0: If they continue them,
1: yeah. The B, the A cover of number two was not very good.
0: I mean, and they're all—they're all just you know yeah. the first panel. Yeah, but, but give us a better
2: first panel, you
3: bastards.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: what, what do you guys got?
3: Thirty for ter- uh, 30. thirty for thirty for thirty. <laughs> this is a ten for ten. Three issues
2: oh,
3: okay. in. Oh. Again, let me finish. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: You're about to hit 120
0: on that. Oh boy. <laughs> Ooh. Uh I give it a five. It was it was fine. All right, yeah. it's not my not my jam. Do you think that would change if you weren't thinking about Alan Moore,
1: like just I'd, as an objective piece of art?
0: I don't think I'm thinking about it that much. Okay, it's in the back of my head all the time. It's but like I'm I, I I don't go into the comic thinking like this is a ripoff or anything like that.
2: Okay, cool.
0: Uh,
2: we got haikus. Oh right, my we god, got we've got some haikus. This is, haikus. So oh, this is very very long. I so, think I think we should just make it a, an extra special long episode.
1: This yeah. you know what? We had somebody specifically tell us today, Phil Satile, he he really likes long episodes. We've gotten real mixed compliments. Uh, Some people say make them shorter, other people say make them longer. So you know what? Sometimes we'll make them shorter, sometimes we'll make them
2: longer. Um, A little bit of
1: heads up, everybody. (laughs) Um, The podcast has ideally been coming out on Mondays lately, um, which has been the best we can do in a very unideal situation for the last several months. Um, Thanks, Moonbase. I finally get two days off in a row starting at the beginning of February. And Ooh. as a result of that, um, I want to commit to the podcast being up on Saturdays. Your body's writing checks. And I think sometimes this evening to go up on Fridays. Ooh. But I think that you should look for it on Saturdays. Uh, instead of Mondays from now on.
2: You're an ambitious boy.
1: I get two days off in a row now. I'm still going to leave it on the
2: website uh, calendar as Monday. Only because I don't want to step on other images on the calendar. I believe us on Saturday, But,
1: yeah, I I think Saturday is what we're going to shoot for now that I finally uh, will have a logical uh, period of time off. (laughs) Um, Haikus. Yeah, who's got a haiku?
2: I got a haiku. It's about Doomsday Clock number three. Oh, yeah? You ready? Oh, yeah. I ate your pancakes. Oh, my cakes? That's okay, bro. Surprise, you're in jail.
0: Oh! Oh, Perfect summary. (laughs)
1: Um, I have a haiku about uh, Amazing Spider-Man, 794. Um, Haiku, 575. Carnage is back, boys. 90s children. (laughs) Celebrate. Our bad boy is home. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 90s children celebrate. No,
0: I like children. bad
1: boy is home. (laughs) Ashton, that's for you. What are
0: you, Southern?
3: This is also for Doomsday Clock number three. I'll tell you about nine panels. It's fantastic. Fucking deal with it.
1: Nice. (laughs) Uh,
0: My haiku is about uh, Mega Man Master Mix Mm. number one. I think that's
2: uh, a a haiku right there. That's enough (laughs) syllables, right? Almost.
0: Mega Man, so cool. Blue Bomber is back. Hell yeah. The Mega Buster.
1: Yeah. God, the Mega Buster.
0: Man. So that's
2: that's a podcast. Like some would say a podcast and a half. I'm Jeff, and uh.
0: I'm yeah. I'm Django.
2: You're not! <laughs>
3: I'm tired, I'm just happy to be here.
0: <laughs>
2: We're happy to have you, you <laughs> rule. <laughs>